Well, good morning, everybody. Happy 2020. I hope you had a great holiday season from Christmas through the New Year's. How many of y'all say, I watched too much football and ate too much food? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a great time. Did, did a little bit of both. I hope it was fun for you and uh, you got to enjoy it. It was October of 1996. It was a real pivotal month because there was a group of people in this little community called Ackworth and Kennesaw that made the decision that they wanted to be a part of a new church and they wanted to do something different. And so they began to meet and pray and about what that would look like. And there was a gathering of people that started to happen to talk about this new church. And at the time, didn't even have a name to it. They finally came up with the name. Ike, the founding pastor, came up with the name North Star. We wanted to be that North Star for community. And that was in that fall. So the goal was, that was in like October, November of 96. The goal was that Easter, we would get a little runway and then start this church called North Star on Easter Sunday of 1997. And so that was the goal. And at one of those meetings, a gentleman raised his hand and he said, I got a question for you. If I gave you $100,000, would you start the church in January? And because we wanted this church to be built on prayer and seeking the Lord, we said, let's pray about it. Yes. All right. We will, we will take the money. That sounds like a, the best idea we've heard all day. And January the 5th, 1997, 23 years ago today, was the very first gathering of North Star. Would y'all thank the Lord for what he's done over the past 23 years? It's unbelievable. I remember the very first Sunday, so I was coming from being a student pastor. Very first Sunday, I wore a coat, tie, and suspenders. Y'all remember wearing suspenders? I wore suspenders. Aren't y'all thankful we don't dress up anymore? Dear Jesus. All right, thank you very much. And so, but over those 23 years, we've had a lot of highs, we've had some lows, but we've watched a lot of life change. If you are a person and you say, I came to know Christ at North Star, or I was baptized at North Star, or one of my children came to know Christ and was baptized at North Star, would you just raise your hand all over our rooms this morning? Would you thank all these people and congratulate them? Man. As well over 3,000 people have um, been baptized since we started the church. And it's funny because what we're talking about today is the heart behind why we are who we are and why we do what we do. So I'm going to let you get ahead a little bit. I want you to take your Bible, turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to camp out in a few minutes. So if you have your app, if you're new to North Star and this is the first Sunday, you can go to the App Store and go to North Star Church, Georgia, uh, GA, and it will pull up the uh, sermon there, the little North Star app, and you can find the sermon notes in it, or you've got the little worship guide on the way in. That will be our guide as we work along this morning. We're going to talk about, over these next few weeks, why in the world, over 52 times in the New Testament, the phrase, one another, was was mentioned by Paul, by Jesus, by other writers in the New Testament. They kept using this whole one another phrase. Was it for then? Was it for now? Does one another still matter? You know, um, every fall and summer, really, when 
teams are getting together, when football teams are getting ready, the, the coaches all, they do coaches meetings, they remind each other of what they're all about, then they begin to meet with the players and they begin to lay out, this is who we're going to be as a team. This is what we're going to be about. This literally is one of those Sundays as a reminder of why we do church. God, we've been doing it for 23 years. Why in the world do we do it the way that we do it and why are we called to live it the way we're called to live it? This little phrase is mentioned in, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans, Paul says this in Romans 12, they're gonna pop it up on the screens. Be of the same mind toward one, give me the next word, another. So is Paul saying that our job is to begin to believe with every, like we, we, I find out what you believe, I tell you what I believe, and then we meet in the middle, and that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is we begin to get in on finding out together what God considers most important. That's what he's talking about. That we had the same mind. Literally, we come together to figure out what God thinks. Then our differences don't matter as much because we are in on what God's up on, right? Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says it this way, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have, we the church, have the mind of who? Help me out again. We have the mind of who? So, so our goal in this series isn't information. It's not the goal. The goal is that you leave and go, wow, I learned a lot more Bible. That's not the goal. The goal is we leave and we go, oh, I get it, and I change the way that I live. It's not religion, right? It is about learning what Jesus said and having his mind so as we live out this life, we don't waste this life. So Luke chapter 10, let me set up the story, then we're going to read it together. Jesus was unlike any rabbi anybody had ever seen. Nobody had ever seen or heard anybody like this guy before. He's teaching different. He's flipped the whole religious system on its head. The people are being healed, and, and he's saying, you know, the greatest way to be most important is not to be first, but to be last. And, and they're like, what? what? Who is this guy? And a teacher of the law shows up one day, and he's inquisitive. And I think there's probably an end to the question, but he was one of the religious leaders of the day that was having a real problem with Jesus. The religious leaders were in general. And he asked Jesus this question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I know that I'll live forever? And, and Jesus knew he knew the answer. And he said, well, what does the law say? And, and, and this guy knew the answer. He said, that, I, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus basically said, you have answered correctly. And then the guy says, it says in Scripture, and wanting to justify himself, he said, well, then who is my neighbor? And then we have probably one of the most famous stories ever uh, mentioned in Scripture. It's the only time it's told in the book of Luke. But even if you're out of church, you probably have heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan. It was in response to the question of who is my neighbor. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you stand with me today as we read God's Word together? Luke chapter 10, we're going to start reading down in verse number 30. Luke 10 Verse 30, Jesus is responding to this young man's answer, and he begins to tell this story. So he answers the question by telling the story, not so the guy could go, wow, that was a great story, so he could see himself in the story, and he could have Jesus' mind and Jesus' heart in the story. If at any point 
you are reading and you're like, Mike's not saying what I'm reading. Look up, because we're going to chit-chat a little bit. You've had all winter break to sit, all right? And so we're going to stand a little bit. This will be your exercise for the day. Here we go. Verse 30. A man was going, what does it say? Down. So it's not just a manner of speaking. Literally, Jerusalem sat up. Jericho sat down. This was a 17-mile stretch of road we're about to talk about, and any listener of the day knew the road that he was talking about, and he knew that every listener knew you shouldn't be on this road after dark, right? And so I was raised here in Atlanta, and I just knew that there were some places in Atlanta you don't go when, when dark comes, right? You, you just, you, you're safe. He tells a story everybody then knows. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was where the synagogue was. Jerusalem was where the temple was. He was going from the temple area, not just the temple was there, but that was where it was, down to Jericho. And he, the guy, we know nothing about the guy, right? It's a mystery. Is he a Gentile? Is he a Jew? We we don't know. And a man, he fell among robbers who stripped him, who beat him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. So here's a guy going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, just doing his thing, going home. Robbers getting, well, back during that time, clothing was a really big deal. And so when somebody would get robbed, they would take your clothes. And that's what they did. They took this guy's clothes and they left him laying for dead on the side of the road. Not where he wanted to be, not how he wanted to be. Now, how many of you, whether you're religious, irreligious, you would say, if I were laying on the side of the road, I would pray, if there's a God out there, would you intervene and send me help? If that's true, and you say, that's what I would be doing if I were laying on the side of the road, if that's true of you, would you just raise your hand? It's true of me. Whether I believe or not, of God, help me. Now, I'm just laying here. I don't want to lay here. Now, here's the beautiful part. God answers his prayers. I've read this a thousand times. I've taught this passage it was the very first message I ever did for North Star in December of 96 in one of our little trainings together. But I've never noticed this phrase. I want you to look what it says next. Now by, what's the next word? Interesting. God answers this guy's prayer. Now by chance, help was coming. Isn't that crazy? So here's a guy praying. We're assuming he's praying. Even if he wasn't praying, God's sending the Calvary to help him. Because if I'm laying on the side of the road, I don't care who's going to help me. I just need help. Now, by chance, we could say by God's sovereignty is really what was intentioned there. God was sending an answer to this guy's need. Help was on the way. And help was coming in a good form because it was a priest who was leaving the synagogue going to Jericho for whatever reason. That may be where he lived. He may have gone to do ministry there. Chick-fil-A may have been there. We don't know why, but we, we just know he's going to Jericho. That's what we know. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he, the priest, what does it say next? Physically, he saw him. When the priest who's going home sees him, he goes by on the other side of the road. Well, golly, I mean, this poor guy is laying there. Well, hopefully the next guy, what does it say next? A Levite was coming. 
So likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place, and he, what's the next word? He saw him here. What does it say? He passed by on the other side. The, the Levite, for whatever reason, he's heading back to Jericho too. He sees the guy here, here. He sees him, and he goes by on the other side. But a Samaritan, talk about him in a second. As he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he, same phrase, saw him, he had, what was the next word? All right, first North Star pop quiz of 2020. Did the priest and Levite know what to do, yes or no? Did they do it? Same, same by chance. One stopped, two walked. What was the difference? Compassion. What was the difference? The difference was compassion, not knowledge, not books read, seminars attended, you know, Sunday school pins earned, none, none, none of that. The difference was compassion. And when, we, he, when he had compassion, you know what compassion means? It means literally he was moved down in his gut. That's what it means. So when you have compassion, you are moved in your innards. All right, it's really what it means. You are moved deep down, moved. And he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. We'll talk about that here in a second. And the next day, he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Literally, he left. Basically, it was the modern-day terms of he left his credit card on file to take care of whatever needs this guy was going to have. That, that's literally for us today in 2020 what that picture is which of these three Jesus asked do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers and the young man the, this teacher of the law said this the one who showed him what's the next word and Jesus said you go and do likewise would you pray with me father Your passion, your mind, your heart for us today is not for us to know the story. God, your passion, your heart, and your mind is for us to feel the story, to enter in the story, to go, yeah, that's me. God, this wasn't just a good idea 2,000 years ago. It's a great idea in 2020 for how we live out our lives today teach us show us push us prod us challenge us to be the people you created us to be and father that is my prayer and i pray it in jesus name amen before you're seated turn around and high five somebody around you say happy 23rd anniversary all right you can you can be seated <clears throat> That's what you always do at the Falcons games, right? When they score, you're high-fiving people around you don't even know, but Falcons aren't playing. But anyway, so it's a, it's a long off-season. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. Why did he leave this story? It's interesting. 
You know, John tells us there's not enough books in the world to hold all the things that Jesus did while he was here. Why this story? Only captured in Luke. Luke, the historian, the physician, is the only one that wrote this story down. Why in the world did he tell this story? Because he told the story because he wanted us to live this story. Remember, Jesus knows he's not sticking around forever. He's trying to pass on to his disciples what is most important. So I want you to write down three little thoughts. We're going to develop these thoughts. Thought number one, he wants us to learn to see value in those different than me. See value in those different than me. But a, what's the next word? Help me out. I guess it's on the screen. All right, here we go. That was dangerous pause there. All right, here we go. But a what? So let's talk about Samaritan real quick. Samaritans were never heroes of a story. Samaritans were the heel of the story. They were half-breed. Their whole race started back in the Old Testament with the divided kingdom. And they... In fact, a Jew would never walk through Samaria. They would go around Samaria because they didn't like them. They didn't believe in what they believed in. They had different gods in the whole bit. But a Samaritan, Samaritan became the healer, hero of the story. Every story is going to have a hero. He became the hero of the story. Why? Because he was able to stop and he was able to see value in somebody different than him. I'll tell you this about this world that we live in. It is the most polarized I've ever seen our country. Would y'all agree with that? Religiously, economically in a lot of ways, politically in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it, you, people don't just disagree anymore. They hate when they disagree. It's weird. It's like, oh, yeah, we disagree. No, no, no. If you believe that, I hate you. It's that kind of thing. Jesus goes back and he said, no, to have compassion, you've got to be able to see value in somebody different than you. I want you to remember this. Every time you lock eyes with a person, every time, your neighborhood, your gym, your ball team, your school, your office, airplane, every time you lock eyes with somebody, I want you to remember this, they have value to God. Period. They are his creation. They're not his children, right? You come to know Christ, that's how you become God's child. But they are his creation. See, the Samaritan, whoever this guy was on the side of the road, probably was very different than the Samaritan. In fact, the priest and Levite probably had more in common with the guy laying on the side of the road than the Samaritan did. But the difference was the Samaritan had compassion. And he stopped, and he was able to see value in somebody different than him. Ladies and gentlemen, the day you come to know Christ is the greatest day on this planet. I'll tell you, another great day on this planet is when you learn why he left you here. You did not get left here for you. You got left here for others, period. 
I remember as we started 23 years ago, we said we want to be a church that's about others. Da, 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 da. I mean, it, it was all words then. We got 23 years, and we're still trying to do that, to see value in those that may not believe like what I believe or think like I think or behave like I behave. This guy had compassion and he saw and had he saw value in the guy laying on the side of the road who, ladies and gentlemen, had nothing to give him or help him with. This guy wasn't gonna help him make his dreams come true. He literally just needed help. Point number two. We learn to demonstrate compassion to those hurting around us. We learn to demonstrate compassion. I want you to write down a, a, a little thought. Ready? Compassion is not just a feeling. It is an action. Does that make sense? Compassion. Don't write down, does it make sense? All right. Compassion is not just a feeling. It's an action. Period. Compassion isn't, I felt moved. That's pity. Compassion is when I put action with an emotion. Does that make sense to everybody? That's compassion. For all we know, the priest and Levite probably, here's, here's the great part. Jesus never tells us any reason they pass by. He doesn't, in, he doesn't judge their intentions. He just judges their actions. They passed by on the other side of the road. They may have felt pity for the guy. They may have felt sorry for the guy and said, God, poor guy. That poor guy. This guy, the Samaritan, the half-breed, never a hero of the story, he stops and he has compassion on him. Look at what it said. And when he saw him, he had compassion. When he saw him, he had compassion. I want everybody to look at me. God is less concerned with these eyes than he is these eyes. These eyes see. These eyes feel. Does that make sense? And then these eyes then act on those feelings. You find a great organizational movement in our world, and it didn't begin with seeing a need. It began with compassion to go and meet the need. See, the Samaritan felt it. And he got involved he bends over. He picks that guy up. He puts the guy on his donkey. Remember, it's a 17-mile stretch of road. We don't know where this happened. That meant if he put the guy on his donkey, the guy who, the Samaritan who put him on his donkey, what did he have to do while that guy rode on his donkey? He had to what? He had to walk. <clears throat> cost him energy. It cost him time. cost him money. See, compassion always costs you something. Compassion isn't free. Pity's free. Compassion's not free. Compassion is that urgency in your soul of going. Listen, I'm sure the Samaritan had somewhere he was going, and I'm sure the Samaritan had something he was doing, but for whatever reason, he stopped. Maybe he had had a family member lay on the side of the road before. It's amazing how compassion is churned up when you go through experiences, right? I don't know, so I was a youth pastor five and a half years, 
I would have parents send their kids off to college and they're like, Mike, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm like, this is the greatest day for your kids, man. And I would high five them and go, your kids are gonna have a blast. It's gonna be awesome for you. Because I hadn't experienced it. Then when I sent my two children off to college and I'm crying and I'm upset and Ann's like, you're a baby. All right, and so I mean, we're, we're having all those discussions around our house. Well, now when somebody tells me their kids are going off to college, I have compassion. Why? Because I understand that loneliness and that empty seat at the table and all, those, all the things that go with that. People, I used to pray with people all the time who lost their parents, and I'm like, listen, it's part of life. Your parents are gonna pass. It's, it's gonna come. And then I lost mine. And now I have what? Compassion, because I understand there are no words. I just put my arms around you and tell you I love you. I, I, I can't make you feel better. See, compassion is experienced. If we're going to have the mind of Christ, we've got to know the heart of Christ. He told the story because he wanted us to get, it's not about this. It's about this. It's not about the guy who should have stopped. The two five-star recruits walked by on the other side. The two-star on rivals, who but nobody knew who he was, he actually stopped. Because it's not about what you know, it's about what you're willing to do. Point number three. Ready? And you're like, are five and two stars mentioned in the Bible? Yes. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> number three. Ready? Take time to know those in front of me. Take time to know them. One of the lost arts in our world is knowing people. No agenda. Because we're moving. Here's what I know. The most important person in the priest and Levite's life that day was them. I, they may have been great guys. But that day, they missed it. Take time to know those in front of me. You, you notice Jesus's. Um, when you follow Jesus' miracles all throughout Scripture, it will typically use these four letters, and I want you to write them down. Ready? They're just four letters. S-T-O-P. The Bible will say, and Jesus stopped. He would stop. Somebody grabbed the hem of my garment. He stopped. He would stop. Because I can't get to know somebody while I'm on the fly. I can only get to know somebody when I stop reality is most of us are too busy to get to know people oh my god never see somebody laying half beaten on the side of the road we live in Ackworth and Kennesaw and Northwest Cobb and Paul and we live in this great community you ever heard somebody talk about their marriage you ever had somebody talk about a prodigal child who's not walking with the Lord that they weep over every night when they go to bed have you ever had somebody talk to you about a parent that doesn't know the Lord? Have you ever had somebody go, I don't even know, I'm making all this money, I don't even know why I make it. Those are weeping, hurting people laying on the side of the road. They just don't know they're on the side of the road. And they're around you, and they're around me. Everybody look at me every day. On ball fields, in offices, in neighborhoods, in PT PTSA meetings. But I'm so busy with me and where I'm going, I sometimes miss the by chance conversations. Does that make sense to everybody? Everybody look at me. You were left here. 
by chance to walk into their life. Did you know that? You might be the answer to their story if you stop. And only when I'm on God's radar do I stop and have compassion. Conversations aren't the problem. Us being too busy is the problem. Never let your agenda get ahead of God's agenda. When your calendar becomes more important than his calendar, you're in trouble. And that's to, that's to me here. Sometimes the most important conversations may not be on the calendar. They may be on the way to the meeting. Mike, what do I do? Maybe sometimes if you hear somebody having that, maybe you just go, man, I w can I pray for you? Mike, I don't want to offend them. All right, let me ask you a question. We got all kinds of people in this room. If somebody said, can I pray for you? Would you really be offended? How many of you have ever had somebody randomly say they were praying for you? Raise your hand. How many of you, your next response was, don't pray for me? All right, was that, was that your response? Stop, stop, don't pray for me anymore. I just want you to know I'm praying for your child you're struggling with. Don't do that anymore. I don't believe like you believe. People say, thank you, because you thought about them when you didn't have to. I had a guy at 4.45 a.m., I got an email, 4.45 yesterday. I didn't see it at 4.45, but it came in at 4.45 a.m., and it said, God laid you on my heart. You gotta even go to North Star. God laid you on my heart. I just want you to know, here's what I prayed over you today. Now, do you think I responded back and said, don't pray for me, stop, don't, don't do that anymore? No, it meant the world he thought of me. Maybe it's meeting that physical need. This right in front of you. 2019, you walked by. 2020, you're not walking by anymore. See, to be the church collectively God called us to be, we have to be the church, the people of God individually God called us to be. And I love this phrase. It's one of my favorite phrases in all of this. Arnold Schwarzenegger actually did not come up with this phrase. I want you to look at what the Samaritan said to this guy, or said really to the innkeeper. He said, when I come, what's the next phrase? He was coming back. This wasn't a pity party. Hey, I feel sorry for you, so here's my good, here, here's my help, and I'm out. Well, when I come back, he was coming back. See, here's what I know about people that genuinely love you. They walk in when everybody else is walking out. They don't know. He didn't know as much of the Old Testament we have now, the Torah. He didn't know as much of that, I'm sure, as the priest and Levite did. He just lived it. And when I come back, there's another phrase used like that in Scripture. Jesus, in fact, used it. He said, One day I'm coming back and finish what I started. I don't know what your one word of 2020 was or your goals or resolutions are really irrelevant to me but I know what God's is for you is that you live like you say you believe change your marriage one another your marriage love your spouse not for what you get in return but because you were called to love them 
be devoted to them, see value. That change your marriage. Change your be a better dad. Hey, my days are up. My kids came home, visited for Christmas, and they left. My days of pouring in and teaching are gone. They're old now. Older now. One another starts in our home and it goes. So you know what neighbor meant? The ones closest to you. That's what neighbor meant. Can I ask you a question? What's God telling you this morning? So if you're new to North Star and you're like, Michael, we're just checking it out, but I don't really, the whole one another thing, I'm more about knowledge and I want to grow. Yeah, we, we are too. But if you don't like the whole one another thing, you're going to hate North Star. I'll save you the trip. All right, just, there's some other great churches, but you ain't going to like it here because it really isn't about who's here. It's about who's not here yet. It's about the people that aren't even thinking about church this morning. They're thinking about the Patriots lost last night. Or they're thinking about how in the world do the Bills give up that lead. That's what they're thinking about this morning. They're not, they're not thinking about God. That's who we're here for. And every day we're walking by them. My prayer is this week when you hear that conversation, you stop. And you go, man, can I pray for you? Can I do something for you? I was there. I understand. When you do that, you begin to live the life with the mind of Christ. He called you to live. Would you pray with me? Father, the hardest part of this passage is I've probably walked by more than I've stopped. See, feel a little hypocritical, just to be honest. Wasn't my intention, but it was definitely my action. I don't want to be like that in 2020. God, you promised me the air that I'm breathing right now. I'm not promised tomorrow, I'm not promised next week, but today, today, May I live for you. May we live for you. May we have your heart for one another. God, it's not about us. You left us here by chance, quote unquote, by providence, to walk into some people's lives that don't know you or they're just discouraged and they think you've left them. God, may we live out what you told this guy that day. We'll love you with all that we got, and God, we will stop and serve our neighbor like we would want to stop and be served. Right where you're standing in Compass of True North right now, would you just let the Lord speak to your heart? speak to what he has for you today.